Hey, I'm Chris Ferris, Chief Investment Officer at Oak Harvest Financial Group. We're a retirement planning and investment management advisor located here in Houston, Texas. Welcome to our first half 2023 Market Outlook, YouTube Stock Talk podcast, keeping you connected to your money. Today and next week, we'll be covering our first half 2023 outlook, and I'm titling it the old normal. Why? Because after close to 12 years of generous Federal Reserve monetary policies brought on by the great financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, central banks around the world are reverting to their old ways of allowing business cycles, both good and bad, to play themselves out. In fact, more than any other time in my 30-year career, global central banks spent 2022 trying to force a substantial economic slowdown to lower their own COVID-induced lax monetary policies, which induced the highest inflation in over 40 years. Before we get into the meat of our outlook, I have to say 2022 turned out to be the toughest year in the markets in my entire career. As a portfolio manager and investment officer, it was tougher than the dot-com bubble. It was tougher than the great financial crisis and even tougher than anticipating the post-COVID shutdown rally. How tough was it? According to Nick Colas at Datatrack, only five days accounted for more than 95% of the S&P index's losses on the year. Those five days and its declines were April 29th, minus 3.6% when Amazon missed earnings. May 5th, minus 3.6%, Jerome Powell's speech. May 18th, minus 4%, retailer Target's earnings warning. June 13th, minus 3.9%, that was a hot CPI inflation number. And September 13th, minus 4.3%, it was a drubbing, another higher than expected CPI release. That concentration of downside moves and volatility is a trader's delight and an investor's nightmare. Good luck marketing those moves. While our team had expected the first half of 2022 to give us our first market correction since Christmas 2018, outside of the COVID crash in the first quarter of 2020, we didn't anticipate both stocks and bond markets to have joint Federal Reserve-induced bear markets. They jointly have had their worst combined absolute performance since 1937, down minus 17.5% last year, and the first time that both stocks and bonds had double-digit negative returns in the same year. We have the Fed to thank for this one. Here's the data compiled by Charlie Biello of a 60-40 portfolio annual returns at year-end. It's improved a bit off its October lows when the combined return was closing in on 1931, which was the worst year for a 60-40 portfolio, down minus 27.3%. Thankfully, we bounced in the fourth quarter but it's still ugly. The worst year in a diversified 60-40 portfolio since 1937. That's the bad news. The good news is that looking at those horrible years in a 60-40 portfolio, 1931, 37, and looking at other negative years like 40-41, 69, 73-74, 2001-2002, and 2008, the blended return of that portfolio had strong positive returns the next one to two years, recovering most of those losses. 1933, 1938, 42, 43, 70, 71, 75, 76, 03, 04, and 09, 10. No guarantees, but starting from lower valuations and higher interest rates has historically enhanced, not lowered, your potential expected returns for the next two to five years. For 2022, our investment team correctly expected much higher volatility with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. However, from a macro perspective, we underestimated the Federal Reserve's desire to fight inflation that they contributed to over the last three years, and we underestimated the excessive demand that was pulled forward by government stimulus programs implemented to counteract the COVID shutdowns. The title of our first half 2023 outlook, 
return to the old normal. What do we mean by this? I mean, investors should expect both the economy and stock markets to return to more normal cycles after close to 12 years of global central bank intervention. Since 2010, most global central banks have experimented with the idea of running negative real interest rates in an effort to stimulate demand. At the end of 2020, over 18 trillion with a T in debt globally traded with negative yields, negative interest rates. Here's that data from Bloomberg. Negative interest rates mean investors are paying borrowers to take their money. Of course, rationally speaking, this doesn't make any sense. With most global economies having snapped back from COVID, this number of negative yielding interest rate debt now stands at only 300 million at year end 2022. That's about the same level it stood eight years ago in 2014. Hopefully, the global money printing experiment is now behind us. This would in turn usher into return to more normal interest rates, a higher cost of capital for investors and more rational investing behavior by investors. Back to an environment where asset diversification is a benefit to investors and Tina, there is no alternative, is finally laid to waste. Moreover, the economic experiment of MMT, that's modern monetary theory, taught by the purveyors of bigger or limitless government spending would also be pushed aside for the time. Here's a chart of two-year treasury real interest rates, also called two-year tips. It's the premium above inflation that bond investors require to hold a treasury bond. Remember, the treasury yield quoted on TV is usually a nominal yield. This is the one you get paid for holding government debt. However, it has two parts. It has an inflation component and a real yield premium component. If you add the two together, you get the nominal cash yield. Right now, as of this filming, the nominal two-year treasury yield is about 4.3%. The inflation component is two and a quarter percent and declining due to the Fed's action on the economy. And the real yield or tips component is 2.05% and rising. You add those two components together, two and a quarter and 2.05%, and you get 4.3% or the nominal yield. Hey, but Chris, I invest in stocks. Why do I care about all this bond stuff, you ask? Well, it's because the real yield component of the bond market almost directly translates to stocks by helping determine the market's PE and overall valuation. Here's a chart from Yardini Research showing the multiple and valuation compression. Various market capitalization indexes have endured over the last 18 months as real interest rates have risen. The large cap S&P 500 index has gone from a peak multiple of about 23 times to 16.7 times as of this last Christmas. The multiple in small caps has compressed even more from 22 times to 12.6 times currently. Take a look at the chart and think about the path of the S&P 500 over the last decade and even more so since late 2018. In late 2018, the Fed pivoted back dovishly. Real yields peaked at 2% on the two-year treasury and the S&P 500 troughed right at a bear market down minus 20% into Christmas 2000. That was almost exactly four years ago. Fast forward to late fourth quarter of 2021. And even though Chairman Powell was still worried about employment, the Fed committee behind the scenes was starting to talk hawkishly about inflation. Back in the late fourth quarter of 2021, real yields troughed at minus 2.65% and began pivoting higher throughout the first quarter of 2022 in front of the Fed's interest rate hikes and Chairman Powell reversing 180 degrees course to full inflation hawk. If I had one real-time chart that I wanted to follow to help guide my decision-making on when should the stock market lows be in and the headwinds turn into tailwinds for more 
than the staple stocks, utility names, and energy stocks that performed okay throughout 2022, it would be this chart. So far, the high water mark on the two-year real interest rates was September 30th, around 2.36%. So far, the cash closing low for the S&P 500 on September 30th at 3585. That was within eight points and 10 trading days of the absolute cash closing low. So looking at the first half of 2023, it's going to be a push and pull between three things predominantly. First, global central banks fighting inflation and where each bank is in its own rate hiking cycle. Secondly, the extent of which the first half 2023 global economic slowdown and possibly recession caused by the lag effect of 2022 rate hikes, the war in Ukraine causing a European economic slowdown, and China's growth paths caused by its COVID policies. These two negative factors possibly being offset by a third factor that the sell-offs in the stocks and bond markets in 2022 have already compressed valuations in both assets. This has now increased the long-term expected return of both asset classes versus late 2021 and early 2022 when the markets hit all-time highs. Please listen to the precision of those words carefully again. The starting point for 2023 is much lower than the starting point for 2022. This mathematically increases the long-term expected return for your portfolio. Expected returns being the key phrase. There are never any guarantees, particularly over short-term holding periods in public equity markets. 2022 brought with it its fastest tightening cycle of monetary policies globally in nearly 50 years. Except for a few emerging market countries, our Fed has been ahead of most other countries in its hiking cycle, often with large incremental moves. Here's what they've done already. Here's a chart comparing the Fed's 2022 cycle to previous ones. While the Fed was late to recognize their inflation issues in 2021, their actions since their first 25 basis point hike last March should now be labeled fast and furious Fed. Only Alan Greenspan in 1994 comes close. Optimistically for stocks in the economy in 2023, back in 1994, post the rate hike, the markets and the economy did well in 1995. Throughout 2022, our Fed has been ahead of most other major central banks, including the ECB and the Bank of Japan. This caused a major rally in the dollar throughout 2022. This rally served as a major headwind for most U.S. large cap stock indexes, given they have so much international revenue exposure. Take a look at the chart of the dollar, the DXY, versus a basket of other currencies. Those circles on the chart are previous tops in the DXY were also approximate lows in the S&P 500 for the next 12 to 18 months. The headwind of a strong dollar against the S&P earnings in 2022 should turn into a bit of a tailwind throughout 2023, given our Fed is likely in the process of slowing our rate increases as other global central banks accelerate theirs. On December 15th, European Central Bank Christine Lagarde offered back-to-back -back interest rate hikes worth 50 basis points, and stressed significant tightening remained ahead. She also laid out the ECB's plan for their own QT, quantitative tightening, to drain cash from the financial system and fight inflation. As we sit at year-end 2022, heading into 2023, the economic backdrop is almost 180 degrees opposite late 2021 heading into 2022. Back a year ago, the Fed was easy on monetary policy, but starting to talk a hawkish tone. Jobs were plentiful. The consumer was carefree and rapidly spending. Stocks were at historic highs, led by large cap technology names. Treasury bond yields were near all-time lows. 
the landscape looks totally different right now. Today, heading into 2023, the Fed has tightened monetary policy at a historically fast pace. They're publicly full tilt hawkish. Jobs are plentiful, but job layoffs are accelerating. Due to inflation and confidence level, the U.S. consumer is now much more cautious about spending, mainly buying what they need, not what they agreed for. The S&P 500 is about 20% off its highs. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite is down almost minus 35% off its highs. The bond markets, treasury yields have risen 250 to 350 basis points, depending on the length of maturity. A slowing economy combined with a still aggressive Fed has sent virtually every yield curve into inversion status. Historically, this is a bad sign for the economy and for stocks. Take a look at the 10-year minus three-month treasury chart. It was one of the last yield curves to flip negative and is now deeply so. It's now inverted as much as it's been the last 40 years. And each time it was this inverted, we had an economic recession within the next year. Historically, bad news is coming somewhere out in the future. Likewise, despite the resilience of the job market, the rapid decline in the U.S. leading economic indicators over the last nine months points to the Federal Reserve's actions slowing economic activity especially housing and discretionary consumer spending. Many economists see this fall off in the LEI as projecting a recession starting in the first quarter of 2023 and lasting at least into mid-year. Historically, if these strategists are right, that's not a great look for the first half of 2023 for stocks, as historically the S&P 500 troughs during a recession, not before it. However, according to data from Merrill Lynch, the median decline in the S&P 500 for those 15 recessions the last 100 years around these periods is minus 27.1%. The average decline was minus 32.5%. So the roughly 25.5% decline the S&P 500 had from January 2022 through its October lows, which took the S&P 500 to roughly 3,500, was already close in percentage terms to the median decline during a recession. The length of those declines were 14.9 months and 10.1 months, respectively. Triangulating that timing versus our early January 2022 peak would place the recession timing in February through April of 2023. But investors, remember, there is no science to this. And with employment as strong as it is, a recession in 2023 isn't guaranteed. There is no exact answer. There are far too few data points to say this is the exact timing. There is some good news here behind the scenes. Given the magnitude of the drop in equity prices in 2022, we have likely front-end loaded a great deal of stock market pain and price. Historically, stocks aren't down minus 20% for the S&P and minus 35% for the NASDAQ this far in front of a recession. In fact, according to Merrill Lynch, the average peak of the S&P 500 to the start of recession is only 5.7 months. And the average trough in the S&P 500 to the end of the recession is only five months. Or simply stated, the stock market is a discounting mechanism, sniffing out peaks and troughs in our economy and companies' marginal return on investment well before economists at the NBER, that's National Bureau of Economic Research, declare our economy in or out of recession. As investors, if you wait on our government for data to make your investment decisions, you'll be late. Investors, given the length of our first half outlook, I'm going to stop right here and pick up the second half of this content next week in our weekly Stock Talk YouTube release. I hope you return and tune in. With the volatility that both stocks and bonds had in the public financial markets in 2022, our investment team recommends that you get on the phone and give our Oak Harvest team a call and ask to speak to one of our financial advisors and planners. 
set up a meeting and sit down with our team and let us walk you through how the sequence of returns can affect your retirement plan every bit or more than the average return your investment portfolio is giving you. Give us a call here at 877-896-0040 and give our whole team a chance to help you with your retirement allocation. We'll model your cash needs and maybe a few of your grades into and through your retirement years. For myself, Troy and Jessica, and the rest of our growing Oak Harvest team, we're here to help you navigate into and through your retirement years. Everyone, have a blessed weekend and a fantastic new year. All content contained within Oak Harvest Podcast expresses the views of the speaker and is for informational purposes only. It is based on information believed to be reliable when created, but any cited data, indicators, statistics, or other sources are not guaranteed. The views and opinions expressed herein may change without notice. Strategies and ideas discussed may not be right for you, and nothing in this podcast should be considered as personalized investment, tax or legal advice, or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Indexes such as the S&P 500 are not available for direct investment and your investment results may differ when compared to an index. Specific portfolio actions or strategies discussed will not apply to all client portfolios. Investing involves the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results.